Oakwood, and welcome to this uh, rainy Sunday morning, which has been such a blessing to have rain uh, in August. As uh, Sable mentioned earlier, uh, it's just been a, a huge blessing. Now, it has put us back on some of our projects outside, the rain that we've had over the last couple weeks, but we're getting there. Uh, so hang, hang with us. Now, today, it's going to be real critical uh, between services for the parking situation. So if you're here this morning and you're planning on uh, leaving after first service, uh, you don't maybe serve in children's ministry for second service or something like that, uh, just try to make as much parking available as soon as we can today. Uh, the new parking lot obviously isn't going to be ready. And even after it's poured and striped, it's going to have to cure uh, for a couple of weeks. And so just want to, uh, we're, we're getting there. We're going to have all that extra parking back there, which will be great. But for the time being, and especially because it's raining, it's kind of muddy out here on the grass today, uh, just, just do the best we can to make that shuffle happen. Uh, so people can come in and worship. So we are in a series called uh, Hometown this morning, and today we're going to be talking about praying, about praying for our hometown. We're going to be talking about that from a lot of different angles. It reminded me of the story of the uh, pastor who was uh, talking to a young, uh, young boy in his congregation, and he, was, he was, uh, had done some teaching and some sermons on prayer, and he was talking to this little boy, and he was talking about his family, and he said, you know, do you does your family pray? And, and the little boy said, my mom, she prays every night with me. And, and the pastor, of course, smiled. And he felt really good about that. He's like, man, that's awesome. And he said, when, you're, when your mom is praying for you at night, like, what, what are some of the things that she prays for? Oh, she usually prays for the same thing every night. And he said, well, what's that? And the little boy said, she always says, thank God he's in bed. <laughs> if you're a parent, you could... He could probably relate to that. I don't know, you know, maybe how spiritual that is, but I, I want to remind us that uh, prayer isn't something that's spiritual. That prayer is communication with God. That's in its most simple form, that's what it is. Prayer is you allowing your, your heart's affection, your mind's attention to be on the heavenly. And people who walk closely with God... Those people that you may look up to in your life, I want to tell you this morning, they have a strong commitment to prayer. If you look throughout the Scriptures, even from the book of Genesis, all the way through Revelation, you see that the people God used, the people that were close to Him, the matriarchs and patriarchs of the faith, were people of prayer. They were constantly seeking God in prayer. They were constantly communicating with God and letting their, their thoughts and, and, and their hearts be known to God. And opening themselves up to His will and His ways. And so we can't, we can't lose the fact that, it, that prayer is, in its simplest form, just communication to God. But it's authentic, genuine communication. Which means it's going to take time. We actually have to take and make time for prayer. Which means that we need to have honesty. That we need to have transparency before the Almighty. I'm constantly challenged in my own life to step more into prayer with the Lord. And one of the ways that I've done that over time is I call it conversational prayer. And I always make the joke that if I'm, I'm driving around town and you see me in the car by myself talking to myself, I'm not talking to myself, I'm talking to Jesus. Okay? And that's just something that's just there before me as, I, as I'm driving, as I'm going through my day, as I think of maybe some of you and, and what you're going through, that I will stop and I will write there and say a prayer for someone. That I, I won't hesitate, I, I won't close my eyes if I'm driving, okay? But, but I do have this conversational prayer with the Lord, and it's just ongoing. And it reminds me of what the Bible says about prayer, because the Bible says that we are to pray without ceasing. That we're to pray continually. That when we pray, we're to pray believing 
that God is who he says he is, that he can do all he has promised to do, and that God hears us, and that he will answer our prayers according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, the scripture says. But we must pause and reflect on our lives, and I want to ask and begin this morning by asking you, are you a person of prayer? Could you be categorized as a person of prayer? If someone were to describe you and your faith with God, would, you, would they say this person is characterized by their prayer life? If you were to stand in a court of law, would there be enough evidence to convict you as a person of prayer? Because here's the fact this morning. As we're going through this hometown series and we're talking a lot about loving where you live. If we're going to love where we live, then we must be a people of prayer. We must take our requests to God, our concerns, and our plans. need to go before the Almighty God in prayer to petition Him. And through this process, we're going to align our will and what we want. We will find that alignment with God, with His will, and ultimately what He wants. Now, there are many people that I encounter today that would say this, I don't really know how to pray. Now, the good news about that is there's not really a set formula for it. Jesus prayed a prayer as an example. Jesus taught his disciples about it, and Jesus modeled it in his own life. We see throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, people that are praying. We read prayers in the book of Psalms. And so we see prayers everywhere, and there's not a set formula. You know, I, I got caught up in this as a, as a kid. I, I remember uh, hearing prayers in church and maybe in, in Sunday school and watching adults pray, and I was fascinated by the wording. You know, sometimes they'd pray in that King James language, you know, and God bless thee for thy bounty that had provideth for us. And I'm like, wow, what does that mean? But that's awesome. Doesn't that sound good? I mean, it's like, wow. But really, just communication to God. Being authentic and genuine. Telling Him where your heart is. Laying out your requests before Him. It draws us into the presence of God. And those that may say, well, I don't feel like God's close. I feel like He's far away. I would challenge you and say, how much time are you spending in prayer? What are you doing to connect to the Almighty? This morning I want to share the first part of the message here. Uh, This isn't the formula. It's just a way to pray. It's a way to pray, and, and how I do that is, is, is I do it through this acronym um, with ACTS, A-C-T-S, ACTS. And what ACTS stands for is Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. A-C-T-S, if you can remember that. Uh, sometimes I, I go back to this when I'm praying. I'm like, oh, I forgot to adore God. You know, oh, I forgot to be thankful for something. Or, hey, I haven't confessed my sins to the Lord. Or, I haven't been praying with supplication. And so, uh, the, the A there for adoration, what that really means is that we are appreciating God for who He is apart from what He's done for us. Now, if you pray this way, and I've had some wonderful men in my life that were men of prayer that have begun their prayers with adoration. And it's completely different because if you think about how we pray or hear prayers a lot, I think a lot of times we, we start out with thank you for this day. Which sometimes, I'll be honest, I'm not thankful for that day. I mean, was, you have a bad day, it's like, oh Lord, thank you for this day. It's like, oh, I didn't really like today, God. But I like to start, and it's a challenge in my life to do this, with just some words of adoration for God. Apart from what He's done. Because I can give you a laundry list of what He's done for my life. But who 
is God really? I, I want to give us an example of this from uh, the Bible this morning in Psalm 145. Psalm 145. If you want to turn there, you can. If not, I'm just going to read it. I want you to think about these words this morning from Psalm 145. This is a psalm of adoration. And the name of this psalm in the Bible, the little subheading says, Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. So listen to this. This is a song of praise to God from David. King David, David and Goliath, David, that guy. And this is what it says. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty works on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all of your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all of His words and kind in all of His works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all of His works. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and He saves them. The Lord preserves all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. I call that a psalm of adoration because it's telling God who He is. It's speaking of His goodness. It's speaking of His loving kindness. It's speaking of His greatness. It's not just about what He's done for people, even though that is a part of it. It's just adoring who He is. Appreciating God for who He is apart from what He's done. Adoration. It's a great way to start a prayer. And another thing about it, is to just think of who God is and just start using words to describe Him. Uh, we, had, we had an elder here at one time, uh, Joe, Joe Roach, uh, if, if any of you remember Joe. And, and he was one of those guys that that's how he always started his prayers. I remember he would, he would pray, Most High God, higher than anything in the universe, the, the, the smartest, the wisest, the most loving, and he would just make this laundry list of adoration for the Lord. I think that's something that we need to do when we're praying. I think it draws us in and makes us realize that we are in the presence of the Almighty. And that's something that we lose sometimes. I think, you know, we, we, we try to befriend God, and God is our friend, and He is. The Scripture says that. But He's also our God, and He needs to be high and lifted up. And I think for me in my prayer life, that helps me have a high view of God and a low view of self when I adore Him for who He is in and, what, and for everything that he has accomplished and who he is in his character. The C is confession. Confession. We actually need to make confession in prayer. Confession is acknowledging to God our specific sin 
and seeking his forgiveness. And notice I said specific sin. I think a lot of times we try to make this generic. Oh God, forgive me for everything I've done wrong this week. Generic. Oh God, forgive me for all the sins that I've committed this month. Generic. Oh God, whatever I did yesterday that was against you, please forgive me. Generic. Be specific. I think we need to identify. I think this is a step toward holiness and righteousness is for us to actually identify exactly what those sins are. Oh God, forgive me for that thought I had yesterday about someone. Forgive me for that word that came from my mouth that may have been conceived as slander or gossip against someone. Uh, Lord, be with me for where my eyes, those covenant eyes that I'm supposed to have, where they strayed and looked at a woman lustfully. Be specific in your prayers. And be specific in your confession to God. Scripture uh, talks about this in, in 1 John 1.9. It says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then it goes on and says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, 1 John 1, 9 is loaded. It's loaded. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. And I'm telling you what, on the other side of forgiveness is your best life. You just feel different. That second chance motivates you. But He also doesn't stop there. If you confess your sin specifically to God, He will not only forgive your sin, but it says that He's going to cleanse you. In some translations, it says purify you from all unrighteousness. We need to adore Him. We need to make a confession to Him. The third thing is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Sometimes I think that we're really good at the thanksgiving part of prayer. That we can name all the things that God has done for us. And He loves to hear that. Sometimes I think we jump into it, but sometimes I think we're real cavalier and we repeat the same things over and over. I call that a prayer rut. Has anyone ever been in a prayer rut where you pray the same thing over and over and over? I mean, it's just the same thing over and over and over again. You don't think of a different angle to it. You don't think of a different way to say it. You just pray the same thing over and over and over again. Now, we're actually called in Scripture to do that. We're actually going to read Scripture later that says we're to petition God over and over and over again. What I'm trying to challenge us to do is to not make it some rote thing that we say the same thing every time. But to actually be thinking in our minds, what are we actually thankful for? Because what you're thankful for today and tomorrow may be something different than you were thankful for yesterday or a year ago. Sometimes our life circumstances spin this for us, doesn't it? We, we, we get surprised by something. Comes out of left field like a, like a, like a, you know, a ball that's hit on a string just... And it hits us, and we're like, whoa, wait a minute here. I wasn't expecting that. I'm really thankful God did this. I'm thankful this. Uh, we had uh, somebody that had uh, gone in for tests uh, last year. And the tests uh, that they were in for medically uh, had nothing to do with the condition that they found. And one of the things they said they were so thankful for is that they went in for these tests that had nothing to do with this condition, but they found this condition because of those tests. That's something to be thankful for. That's something very specific to be thankful for and something different than you might think because sometimes we're called to give thanks in the season that is hard sometimes we're called to give thanks and it reminds us of who God is thanksgiving is appreciating God for all that he's done for us and the place that I start with that is really salvation that God would actually love me enough that he would send Jesus Christ his one and only son to die on the cross of Calvary to take on all the sins of the world, all the sins of the past that had committed, all the sins of that time that had committed, even that day 
and all the sins of those of us that would come in the future were taken upon that cross. If you ever think, wow, I don't like my circumstances in life, I don't like what's going on in my life, I want to challenge you to thank God for salvation. Thank God for eternal life. Thank God that we can accept Him as our Lord and Savior. That we can be buried with Him in the water grave of baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. And raised to walk in a way that honors Him and glorifies Him that someday we will walk with Him on the streets of gold. And we will enter into His heavenly kingdom. We need to remember to be a people of thanksgiving. Especially if we just consider our circumstances the fact that we live in the United States of America. Imagine what it would be like for you if you were born really anywhere outside of our borders in the world today. Acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving. The last part is supplication. Supplication. That's one of those words we don't hear much. We don't maybe understand. Supplication is praying for ourselves and interceding for others by petitioning God earnestly. We petition God earnestly. Now, there's lots of passages in the Bible that talk about praying for one another all over the place. Pray for one another, pray for one another, pray for one another. When we pray, we need to remember to not only pray for ourselves, but to also pray for others and to pray according to God's will. I think that is the key. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus was to be taken to the cross and die for us, he prayed this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said this key line. He said, Lord, if there's any way this cup could be taken from me. And what he was praying there was, God, if there's any other way to save the world, I know this is your plan, but if there's any other way to save the world, that I would not have to, to, to go through this suffering, this great suffering that I'm going to have to. But then at the end of that prayer, where he had, he had petitioned and he had prayed with the Heavenly Father, he says this key line, he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And there was a, an act of submission in his supplication there. He was earnestly seeking the Lord, but he says, but not my way. Not the way I want things. Not my will, but your will be done. When Jesus was <clears throat> praying for the disciples and he was teaching them how to pray, uh, one, of, one of the lines in that prayer he prayed was this, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Boy, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> you imagine what life on earth would be if it was God's will as it was in heaven. But again, we submit ourselves by praying for the will of God. So when we are praying and seeking Him earnestly, we are also, in that, in that time of supplication, we are acknowledging that we need His will and His ways. And I will tell you a little secret. The more that you pray, and the more that you cry out to God, I think the more that you will know His will for your life. You will feel closer to Him, and you will feel locked in with Him, and you will feel step by step like I know. Even when bad times come, you're going to get it at some point. If you're praying to God and staying close to God, you're going to get the bad things that happen in life sometimes. You're going to understand, oh God, now I know why you had me go through this season. Now I understand because you're understanding His will and His ways. I want to uh, talk about these two passages here. And if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Now this is just right on the heels of a passage <clears throat> that we talked about last week in Luke chapter 10 when we had read about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And just after that, in ch chapter 11, there's this great a little passage here, and then we're also going to look at another one in Luke in chapter 18 in just a couple minutes. But beginning with verse 5, and what he's done there in uh, 
chapter 11 of Luke, and the first four verses there, he's given us, uh, the subheading says the Lord's Prayer. I've always thought of it as the disciples' prayer. This is the disciples' prayer. Because he's teaching the disciples how to pray. He's saying, hey, if you're going to pray, pray this. And you know, we, we've recited that in church for years. And so he's just giving them this. And then on the heels of that, he does a little teaching about it in verse 5. And this is what he says. He says, and he said to them, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. But I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, and this is the key, pay attention here. This is Jesus speaking. He says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you seek seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and to the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened what father among you if his son asks for a fish will instead of a fish give him a serpent or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In verse 8 there, that word impudence that we read here in the, in the ESV, the English Standard Version, it gives us this idea of a shameless audacity to ask. That there's a persistence in the asking. That they keep coming to the Lord and coming to the Lord and coming to the Lord. If you think about it, there's, there's three steps of action here. It's not just ask. He doesn't say, hey, well, just ask. No, he says, ask and seek. And then he doesn't stop there. He says, okay, you're going to ask. You're also going to seek. And that gives you this idea of, you know, like, like hide and seek. Like you're going to actually pursue this. And then he says to knock. That you're going to ask and you're going to seek and you're going to knock with what? With persistence. That you're going to keep on praying. And that sometimes when you feel like, I don't want to pray anymore. Nothing's looking up for me right now. I don't want to pray anymore. God says keep on praying. Keep on pursuing Him with persistence. Keep on asking and knocking and seeking Him. And sometimes I want to remind us that we have not because we ask not. And I wonder what is left undone in the kingdom of God because it's a prayer that's never prayed. Think about that. What salvation for one of your family members is not being realized now because there's a lack of prayer and petition to God for it what is not happening to get someone's attention that they would take that step toward Christ in their life that's not being prayed for what healing or miracle is not being realized because it's not being prayed for. What changes in our life and maybe even our character are not being realized because they're not being prayed for? Because the command here isn't, well, just hope that it happens and don't take any steps of action. No. He says ask and seek and knock 
with persistence. And if we're going to love where we live in our hometown, I want to tell you this morning, we have to pray for our hometown. We have to pray for those that are far from God. You know, some of those people, have you met those people in Enid? <laughs> they need Jesus. They, they need the Lord. There's no getting around it. It's the only answer to their life. They have tried everything. Some of them have literally tried everything. They've tried a relationship. They've tried drugs and alcohol. They, they've tried living a, a, some kind of promiscuous lifestyle. They've tried all of these things to numb the pain of the God-shaped hole they have in their life. And after all of those things, maybe it's even accolades, maybe it's business, maybe it's money, whatever it is, they've tried to put all of that and said, then, if I achieve this, then I'll be happy. If I do this, then I'll be happy. And yet they get to the end of it all and they say, none of this satisfies. I think we had a king, Solomon, in the Bible that talked about that. Had all the riches and all the women and everything that he wanted in all the world. And at the end he said, still not satisfied. It's because God is the only one who satisfies. God is the only one. And I'm here to tell you this morning that if you spend time praying to God, that you're going to feel closer to Him than you ever have before. If you'll actually make time and schedule time to be in prayer to God, you will be closer to Him. I like to think of it this way. We all want to be in the presence of God. I mean, really, who would not want to be in the presence of the Almighty God? I think you're closer there when you pray. And as we come to our time of invitation today, I just want to remind us of a few things. You know, we can uh, put, we, we, we put prayer requests in the app here at Oakwood. If you have the app, there's actually a, a part on there that talks about prayer. You can always send us prayer requests. Sometimes we get prayer requests at 4.30 in the morning from people. It shoots it to, all, to, uh, to the office that goes out to all the staff email. And we pray for those things. We forward those requests on to the elders. Sometimes you grab that card that's in front of you and you fill out that information and you put a prayer request on there. That also goes on our prayer list that we pray, with, pray for during the week and we pray about those things. But the Bible says beyond those things and how we're supposed to be praying like that, we're also supposed to be praying for one another. We're supposed to be a people of prayer that are constantly seeking after God's will and God's ways for our life. And if you're one of those this morning, you say, man, I don't feel close to God right now. Then I want to invite you to become a person who prays. Let's pray together right now and go before the Lord. God, I thank you for this time. And God, I thank you for prayer. I thank you for the fact that we can stand before a holy and mighty and righteous God and someone who is omnipotent and all-powerful and is in and works through all things and all circumstances. And at all times, God, you, you're the God of the universe. And because you love us so much and you want a relationship with us, Lord, you actually ask us to pray. And you say, I don't want to hear from you once a month or a couple times a year. You say, pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Keep your eyes focused on me through prayer. And God, I imagine there's many of us today that would shake our heads and say, man, I have not. I've not been talking to God. I've not been communicating to God. Maybe the only time we communicate to him is when we're in crisis mode. 
The only time we communicate to you, God, is, is when we need something from you. But God, in the good times, in the times of ease in our life, we need to not lose sight of the fact that we still need to be adoring and praising your name and to keep our wills aligned with yours. And so God, I pray, as we uh, are challenged through the Scripture today, God, that you would help us to be a people of prayer. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.